0: Go with me, if you will, to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 1. The book of Ezekiel, chapter number 1. And verse number 1. Ezekiel 1 and 1. Amen. I'm thankful this morning to be in an apostolic church. Amen. Where we still preach and teach the apostles' doctrine, which is repentance and water baptism. In Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, amen, I am so thankful to be born again the Bible way. Ezekiel 1 and 1, if you found it, say praise the Lord. Lord. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the 4th month, in the 5th day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar. That the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. It's interesting to me that this verse... The prophet Ezekiel starts his prophecy by giving a date, a specific date. The 30th year, 4th month, 5th day. I found it interesting. It would seem as if what would matter would be the content of the prophecy, not necessarily the date given. But I want to preach for a while this morning on the subject A Date with Destiny. A date with destiny. I believe somebody today has a date with their destiny. God has a purpose in this service for somebody. Today is a life-changing day for someone. God, I pray, Lord, have your way and talk to us. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost work here. Not by power and not by might, but by your spirit, God. I pray for your anointing to touch hearts. Let the word find good ground in our hearts, Lord. God, I pray for the gift of faith to operate, that someone can hear the word and receive it as a right now word for their life and for their family. God, I believe you to do a mighty work in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated tonight or this morning. God bless you. I said tonight it's so dark it felt like nighttime. Ezekiel is considered one of the major prophets of the Bible. He completed this prophetic book around 565 B.C. His chapters contain 1,273 verses. He wrote 39,407 words dealing with What is considered one of the low points in the history of the nation of Israel. The enemies of the Lord had come and carried away captive many of the Jewish people. Especially their gifted, intelligent, and talented young people. In this group taken captive by Babylon was a 25-year-old young man by the name of Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived at least five years in Babylon before being noted as a prophet. That's five years in bondage before he heard from God. Five years in obscurity with apparently no direction from the Lord. The Bible, and I've said this often, but the Bible condenses thousands of years of history into one book. And I've said many times that one of the problems that we have when we read the Bible is that you read somebody's life story and their life span decades, some of them over a hundred years, some of them many hundreds of years. And you can turn a page and you can skip forward in somebody's life 40, 50, 60 years. One of the problems that that brings to us is when we read on one page somebody's in a trial and then we turn the page and their victory comes the next morning and we don't realize that it may have been 10, 15, 20, or 30 years in between that page turn. And the problem with that is that it makes us to feel like if God doesn't move in a moment for us, that God doesn't care about us. We forget the context of Scripture. If we don't make it a point to keep a real perspective, we will think that they went from mountaintop to mountaintop in a few moments not understanding that they stayed faithful many times for years and years before God turned their situation around. For Ezekiel, he was a slave for five years in Babylon, doing nothing but serving before God began to use him as a prophet. Five years of trial, five years of bondage, five years of with apparently no anointing, five years of just being faithful to God in a foreign country, in a culture that was adversarial to serving God. He stayed faithful for those five years where he didn't feel anything or hear anything or see anything, in a place where he was hated and considered lower class, in a place where his particular faith and belief system was not popular at all. He just stayed faithful in his trial when it seemed like God didn't know where he was. When it seemed perhaps as if he had been forsaken. When he started to wonder if God would ever touch him again. Ezekiel just kept on serving God in between his mountaintops. He stayed faithful in his valleys. Amen. It was after five years of apparent silence that God finally spoke to Ezekiel. He starts his prophecy by identifying the date. Ezekiel may have thought that he was forgotten, but God was keeping a very precise record of where he was and when he was happening, when this was happening in his life. The Bible starts out in Ezekiel one and one, it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month. God was extremely detailed. He knew exactly what day it was in Ezekiel's life. Ezekiel is just a servant. He's a slave in Babylon. But God knows exactly the situation going on in Ezekiel's life. God's plan was detailed and God's timing was just right. This day, this 30th year, 4th month, and 5th day was Ezekiel's date with destiny. The Bible said then that Ezekiel continued after he gave the date. He gives this phrase that says, as I was among the captives. Ezekiel was among the captives in Babylon. Ezekiel was called of God. Ezekiel was anointed of God. Ezekiel was loved by God. But Ezekiel was among the captives by the river Chebar. He says, as I was among the captives. Chebar was a river in Babylon, far from the promised land. Can I tell you this morning that you can be called, anointed, and loved and still not really be where you're supposed to be? Amen. Hallelujah. God knows where you are, even where you're not quite where you're supposed to be. Chibar was a place of desperation and discouragement and depression. It was the river in Babylon where the Jewish captives would go and they would sit down and the book of Psalms, chapter 137, tells us about this particular uh, place. And it says in Psalms 137, one through four, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Here they are, captives in a foreign land, people that have been raised to worship God, but their form of worship wasn't popular in Babylon. They had been raised to serve God, but serving God wasn't popular in Babylon. And here they are in a culture that is adversarial to their way of life and their way of worship. And they get so discouraged about what's going on around them that they sit down by the river. And the Bible said we wept when we remembered Zion. When we remembered what it was like when we were on Mount Zion in the presence of the Lord. And we could call on his name and nobody said anything to us about it. When we could worship him and nobody thought we were crazy. When we could live for him and nobody tried to make us change the way we live. But now here we are. We're a long way from Mount Zion. And we wept when we remembered. Oh, there's something. I like what they sang a little bit ago. In the presence of Jehovah. Jehovah. I'm gonna tell you there's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. Amen. There's nothing like knowing that the Holy Ghost is moving in the house. There's nothing like lifting your hands to heaven and feeling the the touch of God on your life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I I remember. I remember about a preacher one time many years ago I was a 19-year-old evangelist and I was visiting a camp meeting as I was trying to to get started evangelizing and I remember one of the local pastors preached a message and he preached a message about a man that had, had backslidden from the church had gotten way out in the world and was working and living on an oil well out in the out in the gulf and there was an explosion on this this oil rig and this man this backslider was burnt with second and third degree burns all over his body. And he had been helicoptered to a burn unit in Baton Rouge and this pastor drove down to that hospital. And he told me that, he he told the congregation rather, that when he stepped off the elevator, he could hear the voice of that man screaming out in pain. He said the man's room was at the end of the hallway. But when he got off the elevator he could hear the screams from all the way at the other end of the hallway and he said that when he stepped off that elevator he thought one thing he said god i don't want to go to hell and he goes to the room and he prays with the man and the man says pastor i can't feel god pastor i can't feel god I, I, I can't feel his presence anymore. And I thought, dear God, if, if it's that bad to be burned, so bad that your screaming can be heard all the way at the other end of a long hospital hallway. But when you talk to the man, he's not saying, I can't stand the burning. I can't stand the injuries. But he's saying, I can't feel God. What a desperate thing it is to live a life where you can't feel the presence of God. I don't want to live a life without God. I don't want to just go through life working and living and going on and not be able to feel the presence of God. And here they are by the rivers of Babylon. We wept when we remembered Zion. They wept when they remembered what it was like to feel the glory of God. But now they're so far from God And they're so far from the people of God where once we could worship with God's people. Now, when we worship, they tell us to shut our mouth. They tell us to stop. They tell us not to live that way. And now they said we hung our harps on the willows. We've just given up. Not even going to try to praise God anymore. It's a desperate thing to get to the point where you feel like there's no use to even try to touch God. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. He said, they tried to make us sing for them like we used to sing for God. They forced us to try to act like we were happy. They said, sing one of the old church songs for us. But then they said, How shall we hear? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The melancholy expressions of a broken-hearted poet encapsulated the deeply felt pain of the soul. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? No young Jewish scholar ever dreamed of being a slave in Babylon. They'd ever laid down their head at night and dreamed about being in Babylonian captivity. But now the heavy hand of a foreign king was upon them. It was constant pressure to live like a Babylonian, act like a Babylonian, talk like a Babylonian. The constant pressure of Babylon on them to got them to the point where they felt like giving up and they sat by the rivers and they wept when they remembered Zion. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Can you imagine what it must have been like to be gathered with hundreds or thousands of your countrymen that now are slaves in Babylon and you get together together And there's no happy stories about life. There's no joyful stories about the weak. All you can do is sit down and think, man, I wish that I could go back to the house of God. I wish I could go back to Zion and feel the glory of God one more time. If only I could get back what I lost. But it's so far away. And I'm so far removed that I don't think I'll ever get back. And so they sat by the river and they wept when they remembered Zion. Their hearts were broken. Their spirit was broken. They missed their homeland. But specifically, they didn't say that I wept when I remembered Mama's house. They didn't say I wept when I remembered when I remembered my old neighborhood. They didn't say I wept when I remembered my friends. They said I wept when I remembered Zion. When I remembered what, I, what it felt like to be in the presence of the Lord. They thought they would never worship again. They thought they'd never feel it again. And so here we have this collection, I, and I, I hope that you can get the picture with me. I wish there was some way that I could that I could 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 collect us and take us back in time to that riverbank to see this people weeping and crying over missing the presence of God. Imagine what it must have felt like for thousands of people to be weeping collectively. When they remembered zion and here you have this group have you ever been among a a large group of people that were brokenhearted have you ever been to something like that i've been to funerals where young people died and where hundreds of people would gather and those hundreds of people were collectively as broken and weeping because of the loss of their loved one. It's sort of that feeling as they're sitting by the river. They just weep when they remember Zion. And so you have these people by the river bank, and they're all in a collective depression over what they had lost. But here's what the Bible said, Ezekiel 1 and 1. It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar. that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to point out just a couple of things. I really do want to preach here in a second. I really want to. I really thought I had been for about 19 minutes and 14 seconds. He said, as I was among the captives. The word as is a very small but very important word. As simply means while. While I was among the captives. I was right there with the people that had given up. I was right there with the people that were weeping and crying and hanging their harps on the willows. I was right there surrounded by people that felt like they had no hope and no future and no perspectives for a good life. But while they were all crying and hanging their harps on the willows, while I was with them, while they were giving up, I saw heaven opened. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me just tell you, we're living in a world that's at their wit's end right now. They're at their wit's end. They're talking about that prospect of World War III having already begun, and trying to figure out how they're going to deal with high gas prices and how we're going to deal with all the chaos that's going in the world. And they're trying to figure out all the stuff about war and all the things that are going on in the world. And while the whole world is in chaos, I've come to tell you that if you'll get your mind on God, you can see heaven open while everybody else is giving up. While everybody else sees nothing but negative, you can see heaven open in your life while everybody else is talking about how bad it is. You can see the glory of God in your life. I've come to preach a message of hope to somebody that's surrounded by emptiness and surrounded by struggle and trial and depression. There is hope by your river. Oh, I wish somebody lift their hand to heaven right now and say God I know we're at the river I know there's a lot of discouragement and I know there's a lot of depression there's a lot of anxiety in the world but God I believe you can open heaven for your people he said while I was among the captives I saw heaven open let me tell you that you your expectations will determine what you get If you give up your praise and you hang your harp on the willow, you'll never see heaven open. But in the middle of a world that's given up hope, you ought to find a praise right now for your God. Because there's hope in this time. There's hope in this hour. There's hope for your family. Hope for your marriage. Hope for your children. Hope for your future. Hope for your soul. There's hope for your mind. Hope for your heart. Hope for your soul. There is hope. The heaven can open. God, I'm praying you open heaven above Bethlehem right now. Oh, God, I pray you open heaven above this church right now. I pray you open heaven above these young people and their parents and their families, over these husbands and wives that are wondering how it's all going to work out. Hallelujah. Can I just preach to you a little while? Can I preach to our parents of young children This is a difficult time to be a parent. If you're anything like me, you've looked at the world and you've wondered how in the world are we going to raise our children in a world like this? How are we going to raise God-loving, God-fearing, faithful Christian young people in a world that's as wicked and carnal and worldly and chaotic? Am I preaching any parents right now? Are there any parents that would wave your hand and say, I thought the same thing? I'm going to tell you how you're going to do it. That while everybody else has given up, God's going to open heaven for his children, for his people. God will open heaven for you in the middle of a wicked culture and a wicked society. You can hear from God in a wicked world. Am I preaching any apostolics that if you that, that when your faith gets a little low, you begin to look at the world and you'll think, "Dear God, how are we going to survive? How in the world are we going to make?" Am I preaching anybody? How are we going to How are we going to keep it going in a world that's so wicked and carnal? Have any has anybody looked at America and thought, "Dear God, this country is going to hell and there's nothing we can do to stop it"? I can't see. Look, I can't hardly see you, so I'm going to have to be able to hear you. Am I preaching to anybody? That you look at the world and you're thinking, how are we going to make it? How are we going to hold on? I'm going to tell you how we're going to hold on. While everybody else in the world is throwing up their hands and giving up, we're going to throw up our hands in praise because heaven's going to open for God's people. Let me tell you, daddies, you can raise your children to love God. You can keep your family together. You can make it in the middle of a wicked world. If if Ezekiel can make it in Babylon, you can make it in America 2022. He said, "Uh, the heavens were opened. And I, oh Lord, throw that verse up there for me. I want everybody to see it. He said that the heavens were open and look at this last phrase. I saw visions yes, yes, yes. of God. I saw visions of God. While everybody else saw reasons to quit, I saw God working. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Well, everybody else saw a reason to hang their harp up on the willow and throw up their hands and say there's no use. What I saw was God moving and God working. Let me tell you, all the stuff going on out there in the world is just making some people hungry for a move of God. I see God at work in the political situation. And I see God at work in the economic situation. And I see God at work in the cultural situation. And I see God at work in the spiritual situation. It's all a matter of what you want to concentrate on. If you're looking at Babylon, you'll give up. But if you're looking at heaven, you'll see God at work. I see God stirring people up. You know what I see? I see a church that baptized people almost every single week of the last six or seven weeks. I see a church that the prayer room was rocking. I could hear it in my office this morning. I see a church that when it's time to worship, we worship. Are we worried about gas prices? Yeah, but I see heaven open. Are we worried about the political climate? Sure we are, but I see visions. I see God stirring our cities. I see God stirring our families. I see God stirring our young people. I see God shaking our community. I see visions of God. Can I say something as respectfully as I know how? Quit looking at the president. Start looking at God. Quit looking at Vladimir Putin and start looking at God. Quit looking at the economic advisors and start looking at God. Just start looking at heaven and saying, God, open heaven for my family. God, give me visions. Let me see what you want me to see. Let me see you at work in this situation. Who, Jesus. God, Ezekiel didn't just see captivity anymore. He didn't see Babylonian soldiers anymore. He didn't see the idols of the Babylonian kings anymore. He said, well, they're all over there discouraged and depressed and giving up their praise. I'm in the same place they are. I'm by the same river they are. I'm in the same circumstance they are. I'm in the same Babylon that they're in. But while they're looking at giving up, I'm looking at God. And I'm seeing God doing some great things. Let me tell you. I'm not a fool. I may act foolish sometimes, but I'm not a fool. I know what's going on in America and in the world, and I know what's happening, but I also know this, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I'm looking at heaven opening. I'm looking for revival. I'm looking for a move of the spirit. I'm looking for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm looking for heaven to open. We've got a date. Let me tell you, 2022 did not take God by surprise. You hear what I'm saying? Vladimir Putin didn't didn't surprise God. NATO's not going to surprise God. The United States government's not going to surprise God. Gas prices aren't going to surprise God. God knows exactly what date that it is. And it's a date for the church with our destiny to have a Holy Ghost revival. The worse it gets out there, the more people find hope in here. It's our date with destiny. I wish somebody just lift their hands to heaven and say, God, I wanna see heaven open. And I wanna see visions of God. That word visions here, it means literally a view. I saw a view of God. Amen. I see a view of God that moves in impossible situations. I see a view of God that makes what seems like it can't happen happen on a regular basis. I see a God. I got a view of God that when the doctors give up, the hand of God's just getting started. I see a view of God that when the that when the when the economist says there's no way you'll make it, you can't make it, it's not going to work out, but somehow when God begins to bless, he just lets it overflow and he lets it bless. I see a view of God that there's a world out there that's hungry, that's desperate. I know they're shooting up meth. I know they're doing all that stuff. But what they really are hungry for is a move of the Spirit of God. And I see heaven opening and moving in those houses and moving in those families. I wish somebody praise God for a vision of heaven right now. God, I rebuke negativity in Jesus' name. God, I'm not asking for blind faith. I'm not asking that we just ignore what's going on in the world. But God, I ask, Lord, that we don't let it so negatively affect our worship that we hang our harps on the willows. The devil would like nothing more. Babylon would like nothing more than to steal your worship and to steal your praise and get you to come to a Holy Ghost-filled service and sit on your hands and be worried about all the stuff going on in the world. If he can take your praise. If he can get you to hang your harp on the willow, the person next to you might see heaven open and you might completely miss it. Amen. I was preaching a camp meeting, Lord, it's been 27 years ago now. It's been a long time. And in that camp meeting service, there there was a a boy, He he was born a deaf mute. And uh, he was about 12 or 13 years old, and he decided on Wednesday night of that camp meeting that he wanted to get baptized in Jesus' name. And they had an old horse trough on the platform, and they brought that boy up, and, and, and in, his, in his suit that he wore to church that night, they put him in the water, and they baptized that deaf-mute boy who had never spoken in his life, they baptized him in Jesus' name. And then somebody run up, and they grab my microphone out of my hand, and they take it. I'm like, you don't take a preacher's microphone out of his hand. (laughs) They took it out of my hand, and they run it back to that horse trough, and they held it in front of that deaf-mute mouth, that deaf-mute's mouth in the horse trough. And you heard this boy over the speakers at Camp Allah speaking in tongues as the Holy Ghost filled him. The first words, and as far as I know, the only words he ever spoke were speaking in tongues when the Holy Ghost touched him. You talk about a Holy Ghost outbreak, man, the Holy Ghost rocked that camp meeting It shook that place. Miracles started happening. Hundreds of people got the holy. Things started happening all over that place. But in the middle of all the chaos of people getting miracles and signs and wonders and the Holy Ghost, I looked, and all the way in the back, by the back door, there was a group of teenage boys, 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're cutting up, jabbing each other, laughing and talking and just gooping off. And I thought, dear God, in the very house where the deaf are speaking, where the deaf are speaking over loudspeakers. You got some people that are so disconnected from what's happening that they've completely missed maybe the greatest miracle that they'd ever see in their life. And I wonder sometimes how sometimes we come to the house of God and if somebody would just try a little bit, they might see heaven open up. And they might see visions of God, but they're so busy hanging their praise up. I don't have time for that. I don't feel like that today. I'm not up. But if you just give a little bit, you might get a totally different perspective on your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, have your way. Hallelujah. Oh, God. I got 11 more pages of notes, but I'm not sure that I need to preach 11 more pages this morning. You know what I feel like somebody needs to do? They need to reach up on the willow and they need to get their heart back down and say, I thought it was over. I was so discouraged. That i couldn't hardly see a reason to sing one of the lord's songs i i all i saw was discouragement. i saw so much trial in my life and so much trouble in my family i saw so much going on in my world that i felt like there's no use to even keep on trying but i'm telling somebody right now you ought to just reach up and you ought to get your heart down off the willow and you ought to say god i'm going to praise you one more time because while all the people around him We're seeing discouragement. One man saw heaven open. I've come to tell you, God wants to open heaven for you and for your family and for this church. There's another wave of Holy Ghost revival that's getting ready to sweep into this congregation. And what it's going to be is a stirring up of people that had hung their harps on the willow, that life and circumstance and situations uh, had caused them uh, to sort of back off from their praise and sort of back off from serving God, that situations of life became, became so overwhelming uh, and so troublesome uh, that they couldn't get their mind off the trouble. But what God's starting to do right now is get somebody just to reach up. I wish somebody that hadn't had a praise for a while would just reach up. And get your harp off the willow. And say, I'm not letting Babylon steal my praise. I'm not letting the circumstances steal my worship. I'm not going to let what's going on in my world and in my life that wants to get me to give up, I'm not going to let it take my praise from me. I'm, I'm taking my praise to another level. I'm getting my heart back down. Oh, God. Hallelujah!
1: Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Hallelujah.
0: Oh, thank you, Jesus. Why don't we all stand and lift our hands to heaven all over this place? There's a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost for somebody here. There's a fresh outpouring of the Spirit for someone here today. Maybe, maybe circumstances of life have caused you to back off. Trials and tribulations have caused you to not see the value in your worship. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. And yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps on the willows. How? How? Can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How can I praise him when I'm dealing with so much? How can I praise him when my life has so much stress and turmoil? And while one group was saying, there we wept, Ezekiel said, I was among the captives Sitting right there with the same people by the river Chebar And I saw heaven open. Everything turned around for Ezekiel at that moment. And from the moment heaven opened, where five years he hadn't heard from God. You hear me, Marshall? Five years no sign he'd ever heard from God. From that moment, 39,000 words just flowed. Because when God opens heaven for somebody, he opens the floodgates. and He begins to speak and give visions. God, I'm asking you, Lord, I, I didn't plan on this service ending this way, but God, I feel like there's some folks here need to reclaim their heart, circumstances, difficulties, discouragement, trials, has had an effect on how we serve you. They never quit loving God, they just lost hope for their future. God, I'm asking you to open heaven for gentlemen gentleman today. Can you help me pray all over this place? Can you enter, begin to intercede right now for somebody to find hope, to get your praise back, to get your hope back? Lord, I'm praying that somebody watching online that they love you, but God, they just they couldn't quite get themselves to get up and get ready and come. Stress, trials, busyness of life, all the things. But God, I'm praying you open heaven for them right now. All over this house, from the front to the back and the left to the right, I pray, God, open heaven for a family. Open heaven over somebody's marriage that's strained. That there's an uncomfortable, there's an uncomfortable awkwardness in their marriage in their relationship. They know there's something wrong, but they don't, can't quite put their finger on it. God, I pray open heaven and give visions. God, for people that when they're here, they feel it, but when they get out there, they struggle to hold on to it. I pray open heaven. Oh, that's right. Come on, let's pray all over this place. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody near to you and just begin to ask God, open heaven. Send a fresh anointing, God. Send a fresh vision, a fresh word. Let there be a fresh baptism. I'm going to tell you, God wants somebody to walk out of here with a brand new outlook. With a brand new outlook on their walk with God. Come on, this whole church is an altar. This whole church is a prayer room right now. Wherever you are, I wish you'd start saying, God, I need you to open heaven for me. I need to see a fresh vision of you. Maybe you're on a camera or on some musical instrument or some piece of technology and you can't necessarily get away from it. But you know you need God to touch you with a fresh touch. Why don't you just begin to say, God, I need you. In the 30th year, the fourth month on the fifth day, it was a date with destiny. March the 20th, Sunday morning, 2022. It was my date with destiny. It was the moment that something turned around in my life. And instead of seeing my captivity and my trial and my tribulation, I saw heaven open. Sing it while we're reaching out to God all over this place. you reach over and just ask somebody, say, why don't you help me pray? Ask them, say, why don't you help me pray that I can see heaven open, that I can get a fresh vision of God for my life? Can you do that? Can you ask them, say, help me pray that I can get a fresh vision for my family, for my life? I want to see a fresh touch, a fresh vision of God. See, the thing was, these were people that knew God, that had an experience with God. But what they needed was a fresh anointing and a fresh vision. Can you lift your hands all over this place and say, God, help me have a fresh vision of you? God, let me see heaven open again. Let me see a vision of revival for my family that maybe I hadn't seen right this morning, hallelujah, thank our pastor for speaking the word of the Lord to us, uh, let's remember we have first steps immediately following service, if you're new to us, you want to learn what we're all about, what your part in the kingdom of God is, we invite you to come eat dinner or lunch with us over in the, uh, the other building in the cafeteria and uh, join us for first steps and again, let's remember tonight we have service 6.30. Come at prayer at 6 o'clock. That's when church really begins in prayer. Amen? So let's come at 6 o'clock for prayer. Service is 6.30, and you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus.